falling apart already it's analysis commentary and sedition oh god and a lot of energy up top jeez that was that was the wrong energy oh really I, yeah welcome to the fifth column i'm your host michael moynihan there's some other guy here named matt welch and uh, camille foster is uh been kidnapped by isis or something <laughs> it's the two of us <laughs> wait wait this just in we we, we got a we got a call behind <laughs> enemy lines can yes. you can you report to us comrade foster camille where are you man hey I am. I'm in Athens. The sick man of Europe, yeah. the black man in the sick man of Europe. You're standing on a street corner <laughs> in Athens. How is the level of racism that you face since you've been there? You know, I haven't encountered any racism. People there at me longingly, um, but no, yeah, no that's, racism. That's racism. It's not people that watch the independence. <laughs> Hello, my friend. I see you, you on the independence. Be, Would you like to right. buy a uh, a necklace? My friend, no. What are you talking? <laughs> so, Camille, you're hopelessly bourgeois, um, unlike Matt Welch and I, who are sitting here in Midtown Manhattan in 98 degree weather. Oh my God! Um, tell us what's going on in uh, in in Greece. And what, where? The, what the hell are you doing there? Yeah, what are you doing there? I'm on holiday, people. I'm on holiday with my wife. That's all. Okay. All right. Well, you know, Greece is, yeah, by we're, the way, we're has... Santa, we're headed to Santorini tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be a, a bit more exotic and wonderful. Jeez. So have you noticed in Greece, by the way, which one would presume that it was the... When it was the sick man of Europe and bringing everybody else down and creating Brexits and things like that, that things would be pretty cheap and, uh, you know, you can live like a king there. Is Are you finding that, Camille? No, no, because <laughs> everything is denominated in euros. So it's all yeah, exactly go. the same. So I'm, I'm a little disappointed by that. Um, but it, it's still a very pleasant place, and the, and the people are wonderful. And I am doing my part to encourage them to leave the Eurozone, um, but not for any particular reason. I don't I, have, there's no virtue in it, per se. I think uh, everybody is encouraging the Greeks mayhem. to leave the Eurozone. I mean, don't you – you got to hashtag <laughs> Grexit. Grexit, right? yeah. Uh, so, Camille, you've been yeah, – I assume you've I been – I assume you've been, despite your um, holiday with your lovely wife uh, in lovely Greece, I assume you've been following uh, the news. And because you're not here for our planning sessions before the fifth column, tell us what is uh, eating at you. What is driving Camille Foster into fits of rage on the beaches of Greece? There is no rage. There's no rage. There's only, there's only happiness at the sound of your voice and the uh, opportunity to participate in this. And a loud cyclist riding past on his bike. I'm on a street corner at 2 a.m. Because nobody has cars anymore. Um, I will tell you this, though. Yeah, I I will tell you this, though. I'm watching this uh, Hillary Clinton uh, business uh, with the FBI uh, quite closely. uh, And it appears there won't be any charges. Um, I I am a little bit beside myself. Just a little bit. Um, Not because I want to see charges filed against her, per se. Um, but because I'm not quite sure, but I presume most of the heat is being generated by conservatives who think she ought to go to prison forever and ever. And that there are very few people apart from sane folks like you guys talking about the, the fact that we are overclassifying things. Um, and the fact that for doing not the same thing, but a similar class of thing, uh, other young men uh, have had their lives ruined 
um, when they were in fact not trying to aid the enemy, uh, when they were in fact not being simply just careless about doing their job. Um, and she gets left off, let off the hook. Uh, and I, I would prefer um, that no one is prosecuted for really, really stupid and frivolous things. Uh, and I, I can't speak to you know the nature of all of the disclosures, um, not disclosures, but all of the, the classified information that she exchanged on her email server. But overclassification at least seems like something that ought to be discussed. Um, and certainly there should be no end of discussion about the, uh, the Snowden and whistleblower of it all. Yeah, I think that the um, uh, people rarely talk about overclassification. There is not a, uh, a, a recent example of a large security failure that, or just a you know a, a tragedy on our watch that has happened that didn't involve in some point overclassification. Overclassification was involved with Benghazi. Overclassification or just people not being able to process the mounds of information, secret information or otherwise, has been involved in uh, what few terrorist attacks have happened on U.S. soil. And it certainly was a huge thing in the uh, 9-11 uh, report, which doesn't get talked about too much anymore. But one of the largest takeaways from there that, that very little was done about in terms of the recommendations was stop overclassifying everything because then people can't – there exist in these silos of information uh, and they can't share with one another and you, you you can't actually activate the information uh, in any meaningful sense. I think that's important. But it's also I think, important uh, just to remind ourselves um, in any uh, Clinton-related thing or any uh, high politics-related thing, there is the one question on uh, in your left hand saying, OK, is she going to get charged? Is she not going to get charged? Is it is it insider dealing? Is it not this kind of thing? And then the other thing is she just lied her face off about this constantly. Yeah. She lied about it oh, when sure. she first talked about it. She's when she said uh, reassured yep. everybody about classified. She's someone who's running for president who broke the law. There's no question that she broke the law. The question is, is the intent enough to rise to the level of a possible prosecutor prosecutable offense? And they and James Comey said no. So she broke the law. She lied about breaking the law, and she also, in the process, exposed uh, you know some top secret stuff to uh, foreign hostile servers who would want to, if they wanted to, uh, uh, go after that information. Uh, she did all this. She's running for president, and the people who are voting for her, by and large, don't care. Uh, and I think that's distressing, uh, to say the least. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's about right. <clears throat> I mean, I, it's it's good that our friend uh, Eli Lake uh, wrote a piece that uh, was the conservative – I mean, you can disagree with the premise of the piece, which is the conservative case, Eli says, the conservative case for not prosecuting Hillary Clinton. And he makes a case that, you know, I disagree with in some on some levels. But one of the things, the main point of it, which I think sort of Eli buried the lead here, and I hope Eli listens to this and calls me and gets gives me a hard time. But Only is, if he raps. Is the <laughs> – great freestyle rap. Uh, is is the overclassification business <laughs> and the idea, and we should focus on the number of other people, the number of grunt level soldiers who have been prosecuted, who have been kicked out of the military, whose lives mm -hmm. have been been made unbelievable misery because they have sent something that said, you know, our troop convoy is you know heading out tonight, so I should probably, you know, we should probably Skype before I go. And this is there are literally cases like this when people whose whose livelihoods have been ruined by this type of infraction, which is, you know, spreading classified information or top secret information, these varying degrees of this. And Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, I mean, it, it is here's the baffling thing for everyone who watches this Comey presser is that he says 
you know, she lied to us about all this stuff and everything she's done was not she said was true was not true. Every sort of you know degree of this turned out to be some you know type of lie. We don't say there were big lies, some there were small lies. But you know, no reasonable prosecutor would prosecute this, and there's no explanation for the sort of average viewer uh, yeah. and, and someone listening of like, yeah. well, wait, why would why if all these things were wrong, if this was just a you know a tissue of lies. Is she not being prosecuted? Oh, well, it's because she's running for president. Especially, suppose, especially since the standard is uh, doesn't require heavy yeah. negative. It intent. doesn't. It's, it doesn't. It's, it does not require intent. It's yeah. basically you know reckless disregard. Which and, is you, Rudy Giuliani, uh, for all of Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani's faults, was a prosecutor. who said the same thing. It's not about intent. You can be prosecuted regardless yeah. of intent. And most of the people in the army, for instance, whose lives have been upended by by this sort of thing, had no intent. Intent, ill intent of, you know, betraying the United States. And, you know, Comey says, look, she should have known a woman in this position. She is marketing herself uh, as the most qualified person to ever run for the presidency of the United States of America. And I didn't know that I couldn't do this. Wait, you are the person who should know you're more qualified than anybody. Camille. You guys have this well well in hand. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stick around no. uh, for much longer. Oh my god! Uh, this is an expensive phone call. All, all of that all of that said, um, the the word negligence comes to mind, which I think is a part of the statute, um, and the fact that she was pretty damn negligent with these documents ought to be reason enough. But lying to federal investigators is a crime. Like that doesn't require intent, um, yeah. although she did do it repeatedly. Um, so I suppose all of those things could be enough. Uh, but even still, um, I'm a bit more concerned about, uh, about the, the kids who, with noble intention, um, revealed information. Uh, and I'm not so thrilled uh, by some of the nasty things that I've said, seen uh, written uh, about uh, Ed Snowden in recent <clears throat> in the last day or so, sort of not just equating he and Hillary, but suggesting that he is somehow working on behalf of the Russians um, or went to Russia because he's complicit uh, in some some sort of weird cloak and dagger situation with them. It just uh, unless there's some evidence of that, um, I, I don't know that you can just make accusations like that. And Not she cool. she has but, um, she has made very similar accusations about Edward Snowden over the years. Uh, says <laughs> yeah, that he's but, a, yeah. a traitor. As she, as she has. Yes, yeah, she, she has. has. Yeah. Uh, Camille, uh, you should go, and uh, we will hear from you yes. next week. From More the, Uzo from the island of Lesbos. <laughs> um, Get all, get all of the ouzo, uh, you yeah. know, sleep Greek style. Yes, uh, just ask friend. around what that means. Yeah. Uh, and, I like it, the Greek. You and, know what I'm saying. And friend. make sure to refer to Macedonia <laughs> as a country that used to belong to Yugoslavia. They really like that. Yeah. Tell, tell them you're a black Cypriot. They sure, love that. I'll be sure to follow all that advice. <laughs> Bye, Camille. Bye, Camille. Thank you. Uh, Camille Foster coming to us from a street corner. In Mykonos, or he's in Athens, I think. Yeah, whatever. Um, but you know, we're not fancy enough for that, Matt. We are here in Midtown Manhattan, it's and we very... didn't. We we should mm-hmm. set up the show. We got a lot of. We got yeah, breaking we got so news. much stuff. Okay, okay, Matt, give us Michael, the breaking news. Breaking news. What's the is breaking news? Gretchen Carlson. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> sues Roger Ailes, the uh, oh, the dear. longtime head of uh, Fox <clears throat> News, uh, for sexual harassment. Yes, uh, which we're going to talk about. We're also going to talk about Jonah Lehrer, Michael Moynihan's yes. favorite author. Yeah, 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 sure. uh, we have more breaking news: Donald Trump talking about how they the should star. have kept up, Ke- kept the star, the six sided star. Sure, now, sheriff you, star. You said, Michael <laughs> Moynihan, that you yes. have you have uh, stuff to drop on both the six sided star and the Gretchen well, Carlson. Well, no, do you, what I do you mean, look on the Carlson thing. 
Let me just say this. If I can speak obliquely and have Ooh. people tweet this stuff and say, what did all of that mean? I, will, I would just say this. Let, of, let, let, let me, let me okay. set it up. Yeah, let's set so, it up for me. Yeah. So uh, Gretchen Carlson, 50 years old. She had been a, the co-host of Fox and Friends for any number Before of Miss years. America, Before too, Miss America, too, Miss America. Yeah. Um, filed a suit. They dropped Wednesday, which is the, the day that we're taping. Uh, it'll be talked about tomorrow, Thursday, which is the day that you'll be listening to this for the first time, hopefully. Um, and in it, she said that uh, Roger Ailes said to her – um, it, 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 while discussing other various demotions because she was uh, eventually kicked off Fox and Friends and then went to her afternoon show and then she's been kind of let go. Um, but that uh, he said to her, we should have uh, slept together uh, uh, years ago yeah. um, and, and uh, it would have made us both happier and also yeah. would have been his like second or third former Miss America. So yeah, he's like notching sure. him on the belt. Um, and then she also made a lot of uh, kind of accusation about her former co-host Steve Ducey, which uh, don't appear to be very Impressive, just the way that they were discussed in the suit. Um, but uh, uh, saying that there's can, a can pervasive culture a, of Roger Ailes. Sure. Um, can you give a little idea of what they were saying about the deuce? The deuce, uh, it, it was, uh, they said it was a pervasive pattern of sexual harassment. And the examples were um, he wouldn't talk to her uh, during commercial breaks, which is not mm-hmm. sexual harassment. Yeah. Uh, that he uh, was uh, kind of cutting towards her on air, which mm-hmm. is not sexual harassment. Uh, that he treated her kind of like a dumb blonde, which is, you know, not sexual it's not sexual harassment, but it's 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 interesting coming from Steve Ducey, who is one of the dumbest people on television. He is a dull, he is dull a board. dull dolt, um, and he, his son is on on uh, Fox too now. Um, what's his name? Like Rick Ducey? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Rick yeah, Ducey. Yeah, I, he's, live in the morning zoo. Yeah, he's exactly. He's not very bright either. It's it runs in the family, but yeah, he uh, Steve Ducey apparently created a hostile work environment by regularly treating her in a sexist and condescending way. And engage in a pattern of and practice of severe and pervasive sexual harassment. And Carlson also is saying her lawyer is saying that they've gotten calls from ten other on-air talent. Okay, which so treat with with yeah. uh, skepticism. Ske- well, treat with skepticism as one should treat all stories all like this stories. With, with skepticism, because uh, these are coming out of the the um, uh, mouths of lawyers who want to make a lot of money off this stuff. But let me say this, and let me say this as obliquely as possible, as I promised. Um, about a minute ago, uh, if 10 women have come out and said, we not only support you, but we have similar stories and similar situations, I'll just say that wouldn't surprise me. And it wouldn't be the first time I've heard, um, you know, accusations in a news organization now, like that. Now, uh, <laughs> shall a- we say accusations <laughs> that are like, hey, you should screw me. Yeah, action? sure, sure. Okay, because yeah. that's it really... happens in media organizations quite a bit. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, d- would it surprise me if that was happening in in, in that kind of uh, environment? I'll just say no, it won't. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, so Gretchen Carlson, I mean, it could very well be, of course, in situations like this, somebody who's been demoted for a variety of reasons and is annoyed about it and is going to use the ultimate weapon because God knows that when she filed that lawsuit, I was in a meeting today and my phone buzzed with an alert from The New York Times, an alert from the, a push notification from the New York Times, which is usually reserved for, you know, bombing in Baghdad, killed 140 people, not former Miss America, you know, refused to have sex with Roger Ailes. And that cascaded across the room as a room full of journalists. And everyone started going, oh, do you see this? Do you see this? Oh, yeah. So it's a great, great weapon uh, either way. I'm not in any way saying this isn't true. I'm saying that, you know, a little bit of skepticism is obviously in order. But um, 
wouldn't surprise me from some of the environment that I've heard about in certain news organizations. Roger Ailes has, who I've never met, I used to work for, I've never met him, um, uh, has a longstanding reputation as someone who is very particular about how his on-air talent looks, acts, yeah. and feels, down to the length of a woman's haircut, which which, which talents will get to phone calls on, um, you know, dresses, things like that. Fox has a leg chair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, everyone within in the place uh, acknowledges that jokes about that um, it became the joke on red eye that uh, it was acknowledged in in a, in a joking way but also acknowledging that it was a real thing in, uh, at fox <laughs> right um i had never uh heard, i have no problem um uh yeah lectures i mean uh, all of what i just said about uh, his approach roger ailes has been the most successful cable tv news guy oh, sure. forever he's, a brilliant and guy. he's and it's all like depending on his kind of sense of things um and uh, my God, if there if there are actually people who are going to be coming forward and talking about this during an election year and during an election year in which let's not forget the Republican Party uh, candidate won by going against Fox News by talking yeah, sure. hellish shit about Megyn Kelly uh, and, and succeeding in the sense that one of Fox News's biggest stars, Sean Hannity, became. Uh, one of the Hannity, the handmaiden of a handmaiden for Trump's campaign. So, you know, if you have enough of a draw, um, it doesn't matter what you say about Fox, because if you can bring the numbers and bring the ratings as Donald Trump. uh, Look, there were some sharp exchanges between Ailes and Trump um, when Trump said, I'll sit down and do the Megyn Kelly special, the special which they put a lot of money and and, um, uh, press into. And Sean Hannity said, this guy's going to be on my show. I'm going to support him. Uh, I got in a little Twitter thing. I still haven't responded to her uh, with the uh, plastic surgery disaster that's a, that's a, um, a Scientologist. What's her uh, Greta Van Susteren. Greta Van Susteren. That's what I was talking <laughs> What? I don't give a shit. This is true. <laughs> and she said, uh, this is a great thing. Greta Van Susteren uh, tweeted something about free trade and, uh, and Donald Trump is right. Um, uh, free trade is a disaster, blah, blah, blah. And I responded, and it was tweeted by a number of people, so it forced her to respond. And I, I included a link about the number of people pulled out of poverty by free trade in the past 40, 50 years. And she responded, this is a level of political discourse uh, engendered by the Donald Trump campaign and by his incredibly stupid surrogates. She said, well, you know, if that is true, dear boy, why is there still poverty in America which I don't even know how to respond to because it's how do you respond to something so stupid that no one has ever claimed that free trade has eliminated poverty, but it alleviates poverty. It allows the poor, uh, whom Greta Van Susteren has never, ever mingled with, it allows them to have things that other, otherwise they wouldn't have because they're made cheaply in China. If you know, I go into a poor neighborhood, a middle-class neighborhood, it doesn't make a difference, you're always going to see people with iPhones. The iPhone, if it was made in the United States with U.S. labor, U.S. parts, would be about $3,000 per phone. And now it's $600 and the, the company underwrites some of it and you get a contract. That allows people that live in the worst parts of the city where I live and I see them on iPhones. This is thanks to free trade. But Greta Van Susteren, of course, was, was uh, arguing with me on Twitter, uh, who's now a Trump. I mean, geez, where did all these people come from? You know what? Her, now, ratings, her ratings have spiked. I of mean, course they have. Of know, course they have. She's, uh, she's Dumb followed, people watch TV too. She's followed the uh, Trump train. Greta, uh, who has always been pleasant to me in the hallways, uh, which means I've never seen her once, uh, but uh, she once douched reason for uh, having a racist cover. Uh, uh, we had a cover uh, with cartoon uh, caricatures of the main candidates for president, 
And she's like, you know, where's the black guy or something like that? Um, and it was when the, really the New Yorker had one the, the, similar oh, where the that where there was an actual like fist the, bump. The, the, yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, the black and, nationalist cover. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No, it was actually they had like uh, a. Uh, uh, cover of GOP as a sort of locker room stuff yes, with yes, like yes, uh, yes. with yeah. people looking in. She yeah. tried to con- conflate it all. Uh, no, she's written the Trump train. Uh, the, since we're just uh, by the way, who else? Let's let's be Lou Dobbs. Lou, Lou Dobbs, Dobbs over over July fourth. I had a Twitter exchange with Lou Dobbs, so it shows how dumb your life and my life are. Yeah. We're having Twitter exchange with Fox personalities. Yeah, uh, I was also I did that on the beach. By the way, I'm totally serious. <laughs> I was like, I was like, fuck you, Greta, and then I was like swimming. It was incredible. It was like, it was, I was like in pink shorts and with a whale belt. It was very, yeah, no, it was very waspy. And, uh, uh, no, Lou, Lou Dobbs. Uh, I forget the exact text of it, but it was great. Uh, it was like on this Fourth of July, um, let's do everything we can to uh, make America great again. And then there was like a fireworks picture, and then mm-hmm. it like uh, like hashtag Trump 2016. And so yeah. I, I sent him a tweet saying, "I'm confused, Lou. Uh, so." Which uh, presidential candidate are supporting? <laughs> did he respond to that? Yeah, he did. He said, "He said just like just like any other Americans, uh, I'm supporting uh, whoever's going to make America great again." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, um, why can they not just say I'm supporting Trump? If I mean, it, it, even his supporters are embarrassed to say they're supporting him, which I find pretty remarkable. But anyway, the Fox gossip is the Fox gossip. Um, I am surprised that this was a network that seemed to to line up at one moment in Foursquare against Donald Trump because he it was a conser- it's supposedly a conservative network and Donald Trump isn't a conservative. Um, but Donald Trump tonight, as I walked in here, I was a little late, had a couple drinks before I came in, uh, and you said, "Can we define couple?" I had three. Yeah, vodka tonics. Oh, they're delicious. <laughs> they were free. Too. Well, why are you going to make a guy jealous? I don't know. I, I, they had a we, sobriety podcast in this room. I was sitting here for a half an hour. I'm seri- seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we came in, yeah, they were talking about sobriety. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, I was necking booze because it was free, <laughs> and I was like, shit, I get it on the train, go to this podcast, and I was like, one more, and then I had a second one, and I was like, seriously, one more. So I had three. I mean, and I got, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty very, fluid for very for nice three drinks. guys listening, yeah. listening to to anybody uh, talk about their so, shh, come on. <laughs> They can hear us. Yeah, uh, yeah. About the sobriety. Yeah. Really, really. Is the podcast called Quitters? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Chad, yeah. Chad's going to pull the plug out. Yeah, it doesn't, make, it doesn't make a difference. We both pay him. Um, <laughs> we're just more fun because by, we drink. By both, you mean Camille. Yeah, Camille pays him. Uh, so, so I come in here, a um, couple, couple drinks in, um, and you tell me breaking news that Trump is – actually, uh, Chad, our producer, is actually watching it when I came in. Yeah. That Trump was – He's was riding the Trump on, train. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God. Chad. Yeah, no, no, so horrible. He was, like, talking about, like, making America great and putting up walls between Canada. He wanted Canada, too. He was complaining about how you, <laughs> you can only get uh, pizza for $6 in Times Square and then yeah. just hashtag MAGA. Oh, I, I, yeah. I didn't, yeah. No, no, I think there's something wrong with him. And it shows you how uh, engaged he is. I don't even think he's listening to us. No. Um, <laughs> but the Trump – you said that Trump was, was on stage, and I looked this up once I sat down, uh, and he was defending – his star comment and uh, the, the Matt, star, give us a little background with the star retweets. What so, what is it? And so, let's let's talk about it. So there was a tweet. I think this happened last week, and it was about corrupt Hillary, and it showed us an awful picture from of Hillary, and then a six pointed uh, star against like a wall of sort of financial crimes and and, yeah. and, and misdealing, talking about various things, and this. Uh, caused a lot of consternation among people who pointed out that the six-pointed star is a is a common iconography uh, among anti-Semites. Yeah. And, and I know this might come as a, as a surprise, but some of Trump's supporters 
on Twitter, including people that he retweeted from, including, I believe, this actual uh, thing, uh, tend to be um, a little anti-Semite. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and kind yeah. of uh, emanate from this alt-right. And eventually he took it down uh, or his campaign took it down. And then on Wednesday night, which is tonight, uh, Trump in his speech said, ah, we should have taken that down. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that star. There's nothing wrong with that. And meanwhile, uh, the New York Observer, which is run by his son-in-law, yeah, Jared, Jared Kushner, Kushner yeah. whose grandparents were in the Holocaust? Or... I mean, you make it sound like it was a band or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, yes, they're survivors. They left uh, They left uh, Europe uh, uh, because of uh, Nazi persecution, yes. So, true, uh, true, true. true. Uh, he uh, penned a, a defense of his father-in-law saying, you know, hey, look, he's yeah. got a Jewish son-in-law and he doesn't have an anti-Semitic <laughs> bone in his body. I know it, uh, that... Uh, that he's fine. And then one of his own employees, the New York Observer, whose name is, do you remember? I like don't, but he was, yeah. he was responding to Dana Schwartz. Dana Schwartz yeah. uh, wrote a, a piece on, in yeah. the New York Observer Catholic. Uh, saying, man, get three drinks in <laughs> you. On, it's just all, on, it's over. Just keep going. Uh, uh, saying that, uh, that uh, sorry, Jared, that's not good enough. And yeah, this is sure. all like a nod towards Dana. <clears throat> so I want to ask you as uh, sure. the Philo anti-Semite. No, Philo Semite. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> These are different things. The six-pointed star. Can we yes. just have a, an adjudication yeah, sure. of the six-pointed yeah. star? I, is it anti-Semitic, Michael Moore? Uh, well, I like to call it the Star of David, which is what 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 they were uh, implying by using the so-called six-pointed star. Although it wasn't the yellow one. No, but, but look, you know, two things about this. The first one is that Jared Kushner responds to uh, Dana Schwartz's own piece uh, at uh, in his own publication, The Observer. And his response uh, has the greatest lead in the history of journalism, to which I tweeted, uh, in fairness, we've all had to write this lead at one point. Uh, The lead to the story, the lead being the first paragraph, the first sentence, my father-in-law is not an (laughs) anti-Semite. I mean, if you got to say that, you're probably in some pretty dangerous waters. But so here's the thing about that. It was revealed by um, a website called Mike.com, which has never done anything good, and they finally redeemed themselves by doing a bit of digging. Uh, it was it was revealed that that image came from a white nationalist uh, message board. Uh, I think it was some sort of 4chan thing or maybe it was on Stormfront or something like that. But either way, it's pretty clearly comes from a white nationalist message board. Um, f- later that day, David Duke, you might remember him as the Louisiana psychopath who ran for Congress, used to be the, the grand wizard of the KKK, used to like to parade around uh, in Nazi uniforms, but now is much more serious and academic and has a white beard and uh, has a PhD after his name because he got a, a, a doctorate from some fake university in Ukraine. He's a doctor of anti-Semitism. And he writes these books and I called, you know, um, the real Jew, this kind of sort of stuff. There's a whole list of them. They're fantastic. Uh, and he said, no, 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 no. That was not just a random star. That was definitely a star of David. And uh, if uh, the Trump campaign tells you otherwise, they're lying. That's from my group of people. That is an anti-Semitic attack because she gets Jewish money. And that's why the star of David was on top of piles of $100 bills. No coincidence there. So tonight, as you pointed out, uh, Donald Trump um, doubled down on this. Uh, the tweet was taken down, um, and Do- Donald Trump went uh, before a, a an audience of braying lunatics, as he usually does, and said, "It's a star, and it actually looks like a sheriff's star." The sheriff of anti-Semitism, the sheriff of the Gestapo. Uh, you know, it, it could have been for a star for 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 anything. 
when they told me the Star of David, I said, you've got to be kidding me. How sick are they? They're the ones with the bad tendencies when they think that way. These people are sick, folks. And I'm telling you, they're sick. All right. Do we need to unpack this at all? The provenance of this image comes from an anti-Semitic message board. There is no debate. They haven't pushed back on this at all. Why is it? Do I think Donald Trump is an anti-Semite? I don't, actually. I don't. I just think he's an opportunist and he doesn't want to, you know, when he gets the support of these people, he plays this little and wink that, game Isn't with that, in fact, worse? It is actually worse. Uh, I think you're right. It uh, is actually on worse. On some basic level, which is... Uh, which, I think you're right. Uh, I, I, Gary Johnson, Libertarian Party candidate... Oh, uh, he talked about this today, uh, yeah. Um, he uh, has been talking and calling uh, Donald Trump racist and, uh, and these types of things, and, and it, which makes some people happy, makes other people upset. And it just strikes me of like... Of all the things to get at Donald Trump, the way to describe him, it's actually what he – I mean he's an opportunist and a collectivist. Yes. Um, uh, you, you can – I mean using the word racist immediately blows up a conversation yeah, yeah, one yeah, way yeah. or the other. Like, yeah. like I mean is he an anti-Semite? Is he a racist? He might be. I don't have the ability to judge that. But meanwhile, we know for a fact with this thing and other things that he's he's – consciously, opportunistically using mm-hmm. these subcultures, yes, yeah, using right. the iconography, using the sure. language, uh, all these choices are conscious and, and he's and he's been successful with it. And that to me is is so much more um, uh, kind of uh, uh, disreputable. And it's the thing that Jared Kushner didn't engage with at all, uh, you know, to, in his response to his it's own. It's dog play. whistle stuff. And, and look, I think there's a lot, there's a, a parallel here with Brexit in the sense that I don't believe that all of those people that voted leave were racist. I don't believe that a majority of them were racist. I don't believe, you know, a plurality of them were racist. I think there is some worries about immigration that are legitimate, some that aren't legitimate. And then there's the kind of Britain first crowd who are essentially neo-fascists, right? So that exists in this in this kind of voting block. But the overstatement of this from the racists themselves of saying, see, we are the silent majority out there. They're kind of trying to make this just as much as the Guardianistas are trying to make this about race. This is the same thing that happens with Donald Trump. Donald Trump, why are you dog whistling at people that are such a small percentage of the electorate and willing to alienate? Because these people within his campaign and Trump himself believe that there are more racists than there actually are. I think that a lot of the people that support Trump are, you know, there are some that don't care about this stuff. There are some that think that Islam is the great poison in the 21st century. There are, of course, elements of all sorts. Of but I think most of it is that boring old populism, the one that that was the motor and the engine of Ross Perot and the same thing for Pat Buchanan. And there is a moment of this post-Obama. Is there a racial element to it? Undeniably. But how big is this? I think it's fairly small. And I think that his dog whistle of these people, rather than denouncing it, he refused to denounce David Duke. He said, I don't know who these people are. I have to trust you. He, we have record that he knew exactly who David Duke was. And he's like, I don't want to alienate the white nationalists. I'm sorry. Maybe I am, you know, a bit uh, sort of sunny about this. And I do not think white nationalists are beyond 1% of the vote. I don't even think they're that. But, you know, he's like, I don't want to alienate that, that core group. 
And I, I think he over overstates how big he, it is. There was a, a last week uh, someone dug up a an L.A. Times op-ed that he wrote in 1999. I had 2000. dug the same thing up, and and in a Larry King interview, and go ahead and explain this about about how about he, Pat Buchanan about Pat Buchanan being a Nazi. Um, yeah, yeah, saying uh, that uh, Pat Buchanan's book, which uh, was a some World War II revision, we shouldn't have gotten involved in World War II. Yeah. Um, his, that, the first book he wrote about that, uh, yeah. <laughs> he the, wrote two. The first in the in the, in the ongoing fifteen part series um, was beyond the pale, um, and it was mostly uh, from Trump's point of view there, having to do with like, look, you have to fight Hitler. Come on, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, uh, but there was also whiffs of it that that Buchanan is going after this. Uh, kind of rank uh, populism, which has a bad history in this country. And it's really as if uh, Trump thought about it for a while, digested, including digesting his own remarks from 2012, saying yeah. that Mitt Romney was uh, maniacal talking about self-deportation. And that was a terrible, terrible thing. So yeah. he's had time to think this through and conclude, well, well maybe Buchanan was on to something with this kind of not even the specifics of the appeal, though some of them are are the same, like as with his anti-trade kind of, but that there is a populism ready to go. And I think this is one of the reasons why you see a lot of the paleo libertarians, all like 13 of them yeah. in this country, but some of the same people who supported Pat Buchanan, who were who wrote apologias for David Duke, as horrible as sure, that might sound. Sure. I mean, these in, people are also racist, by the way. Back, back in 1988 yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and such like, yeah. um, that you find them uh, you know, falling uh, over themselves, finding ways to defend Donald Trump sure. while douching Gary Johnson and douching uh, um, uh, Rand Paul before him. Speaking of which, I was noticing um, – this might be a, a bit of a tangent. Uh, I was reading some of my old writing, as one does, um, and I'm thinking about this in terms <laughs> of uh, the word douching. Like yeah, we're going to get sure. to a place we can't say that anymore pretty soon, right? Like in six to 12 months. It probably. Yeah. yeah. It's probably, I mean, there's probably uh, a gender element to this I, that because you're not was, aware of. I was listening, I was reading uh, something I wrote from 2011, and I affixed the suffix tards to oh, about wow. seven different 2011? things. 2011? Yeah, like, That's super like late. Congress for tards. That's super late like for that. President well, but you know where that comes from was tards. because there was a, and, and you know this very well, is that there was a mainstreaming of the phrase Paul tards about Ron Paul. And that's, you know. Yeah, who coined did I coin that? I might. It was either you or Weigel. I can't. Somebody. Yeah. I mean, let's let's probably, blame it on Weigel. I, well, so I, don't get the, I, yeah. I, I I'd prefer to blame it on you. Um, but no, this is this is true. But also, and the, the people out there, those of you out there that are listening, and we have a we have a good number of listeners these days. And I would say to you, if you are a Donald Trump um, supporter, I suspect that there has been one time in your life, one time recently, in which you've said that he is a breath of fresh air. He is somebody who is taking on the establishment. He is not the old kind of political elite. He's the anti-elite, et cetera. I just wonder how you assimilate the, this information and how you justify the ever-shifting positions of Donald Trump, which we, you know, look, we have, we've had conversations about this. Everybody's talked about this. But there's a certain point at which the, the sheer accumulation of this stuff becomes so dizzying that we forget about it. Like we don't realize that Donald Trump has taken the opposite position on anything, on everything that he's ever, ever, ever talked about and argued it strenuously in the sense that, you know, Mitt Romney's self-deportation is, is, you know, 
is a shanda, <laughs> to use a Jared Kushner term, you know, because he's not an anti-Semite. He loves the Jews, according to Jared. If you look at, you know, the stuff about Pat, Pat Buchanan, there is a great interview that I've, I, you know, chopped up and put on Twitter a while ago with him and Larry King uh, talking about uh, the, the sort of, you know, incipient fascism of the Buchanan campaign. And then you, you, you get sort of, you know, pulled muscles by looking at this stuff whizzing by. In changing so quickly. I don't understand, and I, I put this question to you, Trump supporters, I don't understand how you justify that. I mean, because the, the, the old quote from a Nobel laureate who said, uh, you know, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do, sir? Yeah. But this is not something where the facts have changed. The facts have been pretty steady and, you know, the sort of idea of immigration and the fact that Nazism is still bad since 1945. It's still a bad thing. hasn't gotten better. Um, so the facts haven't changed. Why have his opinions changed? Well, because he's a rank opportunist. And how does one who says, I hate the elite, want to throw their lot in with somebody who so desperately desires this level of power. It well, should, should make you very skeptical, people. Um, let me uh, speak for Planet Trump a little bit. Uh, I was uh, going on, I think, uh, the Al Sharpton show, something on MSNBC, in which everything <laughs> came down to race. And uh, which I, I, I know, I'm, I'm narrowing it down no. uh, here. Um, and so the question actually wasn't Trump, and it was another uh, Sunday show over there. And uh, we were talking about the white vote, and uh, the assertion was made that, you know, uh, uh, Donald Trump doesn't have to do all that well with a white vote and he can and he can be pretty competitive. So I went down and I did a bunch of searching, which is not the normal kind of mm-hmm. thing I did, but of like poll cross tabs yeah. of the white vote. And there's something that comes close to answering your question here, Michael Moynihan of uh, Vice News, uh, <laughs> um, uh, which is that uh, solid majorities of white voters – Think that Donald Trump is unqualified to be president. Yeah, that's true. Solid that's true. majorities think that he lacks the temperament yes. to be president. Yeah. They think all kinds of negative things about Donald Trump. But then you get to, um, but do I think he will shake up Washington? It's like ninety percent. Sure, that's what it sure. is. It is that, and yeah. so there. I mean, you're uh, you're changing uh, your mind about things. You're flirting with the types of things that people say or have decided that you're not supposed to say. All of that is all to the good. He's just going to shake things up. He's going to wrong foot everybody, and that in itself is going to be a value that I want because I'm so sick of everybody. It, it's such. I mean, it's an incredible thing that um, will Donald Trump Trump shake up Washington. My dear people, comrades, friends, Alvin Green would have shaken up Washington. Do you remember Alvin Green, a Democrat yeah. uh, from South Carolina, ran as a Republican, like this complete, you know, lunatic? Anybody that does not have the temperament to be president will shake up Washington by virtue of the fact that they don't have the temperament to be president. The idea that this is something that, that you you kick against the pricks, you kick against the elites by nominating somebody who is the very picture, his brand is elitism. That he sells the Trump brand across the world as a byword and a watchword for the elite. So we're going to nominate this guy and he's going to solve all of our problems by putting up trade barriers, et cetera. Is anyone, I don't know if anyone's thinking this stuff through at this point, but you, you see what's happening now. And of course the negatives are especially high. This should, and I don't want to belabor a point that is incredibly obvious. And everyone said that this is an easy election for Republicans to win. And not only will they lose the election, they're going to lose down ballot races too. So if you're happy of doing this, I spent the day um, last week with a delegate 
in a state. Um, he's a delegate in, in a state in the East Coast, and he is um, it's Virginia. We can call it Virginia. Uh, we can Virginia. Uh, he can. He's organizing a revolt um, of uh, delegate revolt. And I talked to this guy. He's a Ted Cruz uh, supporter. And it's amazing when you talk to – I mean, Ted Cruz is a batty guy in a lot of ways. I mean, I look at him and I'm scared. He scares the bejesus out of me. And I'm talking to this guy and I'm like, God, this, you know, uh, mellifluous voice and he's telling me all these things about Ted Cruz. And I'm like, yeah, this actually sounds fairly reasonable compared to what we have right now. And what we have right now is uh, somebody that is that is um, going to destroy the Republican Party because Hillary Clinton – uh, his opponent, a um, little bit of email trouble, as we talked about uh, at the top of the show um, with Camille. And one would this I don't think any of this stuff, as we've spoken about in this podcast before, is going to have any specific effect on Hillary Clinton. The, the specific lies, the way it unfolded, looking at the, the video stuff, et cetera, doesn't matter. But to your point, and I wanted to get back to this, to your point of uh, trustworthiness. Look at the poll numbers on this. Look at the poll numbers on whether voters trust Hillary Clinton or they trust Donald Trump. Donald Trump is somebody who's lied about most everything in his career, in his life, about his ex-wives, about his businesses, about his positions on every policy issue. He's lied about all of it. And he is beating Hillary Clinton in trustworthiness <laughs> by an order of magnitude. Yeah. Uh, and he's what a, kind of weirdo world are we living in right now? Uh, you know, a world in which uh, third parties should be doing even better than they're doing. They're doing better than they ever have done. Uh, what is the combined now? 15 percent? Close to it. Yeah. Uh, Jill Stein and Gary, Gary Johnson, yeah. Libertarian, is going around eight. She's going around four. It's often 10 and five. Um, and uh, they've both been, uh, for the most part, uh, trending upward. Uh, but I uh, today we uh, uh, ran a piece uh, about uh, Johnson's response to this, and I uh, found myself uh, very uh, disappointed in all of it. Recall that uh, his uh, CNN town hall debate also disappointing, uh, which was a, a disappointing performance. Uh, Chris Cuomo uh, from CNN uh, did the uh, the uh, okay one word response. You know, yeah. um, what do you think about Hillary Clinton? And, uh, you know, what do you think about Barack Obama? And Johnson uh, made the rookie mistake of actually trying to answer the question as asked. That's not what you do. You never do that. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You, don't, you don't do that as a guest. You don't do that as a guest. This as is a, media as... training 101. If somebody asks you a question you don't want to answer, answer a different question. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, <laughs> you figure out eight words or 13 words or whatever. Yeah. But he said uh, about Hillary Clinton, wonderful public servant. Yeah. It looked like he was in a hostage video, uh, to be fair, uh, sure. that he's gritting his teeth. But – you're running against her. You got to say something along the lines of like, uh, "Good intentions aren't enough," or you know, uh, "To compromise to become president." Whatever, something whatever like that. It might be. So just today, he's out saying about the email scan because he's been, you know, he's been pretty quiet on this. You haven't really heard his response. We saw what happened when Bernie Sanders was quiet on it. Uh, uh, he became well, vocal at the end of his campaign. By the way, about well, this, I think it made. Uh, it, there might have been some strategic sense for Bernie to do that. All, sure, he, sure. He shouldn't have. No, but but yeah. as a libertarian, yeah. as someone who is in favor of holding politicians accountable and who's concerned with abuse of power and personal sure. integrity. I think uh, Gary Johnson, who I know pretty well, uh, has a lot of personal integrity for yeah, everything I've sure. seen from him. I um, like him a lot. Yeah. He said, uh, well, I don't want to go around throwing stones. That was his comment uh, today to uh, to uh, BuzzFeed. And uh, and they gave us a, an actual no comment. It's like, no, dude. Wait a second. Gary Johnson gave Reason Magazine a no comment. God, he's doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. 
Um, I don't want to go throwing stones. I mean, I understand, as you said, um, the position that Bernie Sanders was taking early in the campaign and not to not to um, attack Hillary Clinton on this issue and to actually make fun of her. He was trying to make fun of Republicans, you know, Republicans, right. Fox News. Everyone's obsessed with this. Um, but here is a little tip for Gary Johnson, a small tip. Um, and he should take this to the bank because uh, this one I'm actually right about. Um, you don't say I don't want to throw stones in a campaign in which the Republican nominee has been throwing boulders, has been shooting howitzers, has been kicking in windows and punching babies in the face. <laughs> this is a guy who has gone way off the reservation of what is acceptable in normal political discourse in everyone. And by the way, I, I am really, really not looking forward to a number, the number of races that will follow this presidential race because he has broken the mold here and said that you don't have to do this in the normal way. You can be really, really, really crazy and say really crazy things because this is the actual – this is what the silent majority is thinking. Just say it and you'll win. And unfortunately, I think people are going to take this to heart and are going to start being even crazier than they have been in the past five years. But he is very successful on this point. And Gary Johnson is going to look us in the eye and tell Reason Magazine his well, – should be – his surrogate should be. I know it's not, but it should be his surrogate and going to tell another news organization that I don't want to throw stones. The presidential race, dear Gary, is about throwing stones and differentiating yourself from these two unbelievable rat bags that are running for presidential office right the now. The Libertarian uh, Party National uh, Committee came out very quickly with uh, – um, uh, saying, you know, this is a, an obvious abuse of power. Uh, it's wrong. Hillary Clinton lives according to their own laws and not according to the to the, to the rule of law. There's a problem. Jill Stein came out swing. Jill Stein is the most yeah, satisfying she, anti-Hillary Clinton. She's person a great candidate. I kind of like her. She, anyway. should, yeah. she should be like a regular. I mean, Fox I hate News. her, but I like her. You know? uh, uh, she uh, uh, says uh, uh, all kinds of stuff about about Hillary. Uh, yeah, you got to you got to come in with uh, with sharp elbows for crying out loud because it's a there is a uh, uh, I mean. I think the Clinton thing, what makes it uh, kind of infuriating is the same thing if you're watching an N- the NBA finals and it's a tie game and there's two minutes left. They're just not going to call a foul. They're yeah. going to swallow the whistle. You <laughs> yeah, knew that they were going to swallow the whistle. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have, I don't know, the attorney general <laughs> meeting with Bill Clinton on a tarmac, uh, which I, I we mean, would not have known about. I mean, yeah. we only know about that because of a reporter. It didn't come up. It wasn't yeah. going to be something that was going to be cross-checked. Yeah. Like at some point – the Clintons have to just be laughing at us. I mean, you, one has to do this really silly game that that Republicans often do. But I mean, look, they're right about it sometimes. Is if imagine a situation in which Scooter Libby or Dick Cheney were being investigated, and um, Lynn Cheney was spotted on the tarmac uh, palling around, and I mean, this would this would provoke. You know, 65,000 Nation magazine columns, 148,000 columns in counterpunch, and every conspiracy theorist under the sun would be twitching and, and sweating about Th- it. Think about it. Uh, I mean, think I about mean it's a bad look. Think about I mean, George W. Bush's guitar playing during Katrina. How many times did you see, or think about how many times you heard about binders full of women? Think about things that didn't. I never understood the all. binders full of women thing. I, I, I just, mean, he a, was trying to be a nice guy. Yeah, it's, you it, know? it's a it's a silly sounding. Who ever phrase. thought that I'd like Mick Romney? Now, <laughs> just like I, like he's not they a bad all, guy. They all get better. They all get better. Uh, we're all well, going to like Barack Obama. Well, soon. you know, it's you know who hasn't gotten better. Um, uh, you know, George W. Bush. The opinion of him. 
um, has gotten better. I was uh, driving with my daughter in Massachusetts, who's five years old, and she was in the back of the car. She's forgiven him. She, hear me out here. Um, she was in the back of the car with a four and a half year old boy. And um, I said something to the effect of like, we're talking about presidents. And I said, who's your favorite president? Directed to nobody in the back seat. The four and a half year old boy who was about a two and a half year old boy. Um, said, uh, no joke. He said, uh, I like President Poopy Pants. And I said, that's pretty funny. President Poopy Pants is going to do a good bit here. He did a bit. It was pretty funny. And I asked my daughter, um, who, and she said, W. Bush. No joke. And I have no idea where this came from. And I was like, yeah, you sure? And she said, well, I like Obama too. The boy said, Obama's stupid. My daughter res- responded five years old. She said, well, you know, if you're in the White House, you can't be stupid, which I thought was a pretty funny point. But so, you know, the one thing, the Bush rehabilitation has happened in a bit, uh, you know, in some way. I mean, a lot of people miss Bush and blah, blah, blah. They forget about all the bad stuff because they, they don't have to remember it. It's not Donald Trump. The person who you often talk about in the same breath as George W. Bush has not been forgiven is Tony Blair. And Tony Blair has been waiting uh, for something that dropped this week, uh, the Chilcot inquiry. And the Chilcot inquiry was a massive undertaking, which is, you know, 10 volumes, 12 volumes, something like this. They took way too long. Uh, that was an assessment of the Iraq war. And Tony Blair came out and, and spoke about it today. Uh, it, was a, it was a pretty tough indictment of Tony Blair. He was teary-eyed. He said, I, you know, if I had known, blah, blah, blah. He did, by the way, nobody noticed this, said, yeah, I'd probably do it again. Uh, Bush does the same thing. You don't want to second guess yourself for, for, for the sake of history. So all this, and one of the most fascinating things about the Chilcot Inquiry is, and I, and I advise anybody out there listening to check these out because they're really sort of humanizing and they're really interesting and it gets away from so much of the partisan acrimony and everybody sort of, this guy's a war criminal, this guy's a war criminal, I'm defending the war, et cetera. The notes between Tony Blair and George W. Bush. Did you see these? Mm-mm. They were pretty interesting because Tony Blair, for all, for all of being a, a Bush's poodle, which you could still argue, by the way, after this, that he very much was, um, did express a lot of skepticism of the Iraq war in these notes and said, I don't know if we're equipped for this. Wasn't that part of his uh, kind of like his role there? Yeah. Like as he's going to be America's friend in, in, in the, uh, and the poodle, uh, but also he was going to channel the kind of continental skepticism of Bush and be part of – part of the, the bridge in sure. between the two. At least I remember that as going Look, I, into it. You know, that, that, that's a lot of it. And in the, the thing about it is I really disagree with this idea of uh, Tony Blair being the poodle. I mean, there's a sense where he says, you know, whatever you do, George, we're with you. Um, but I think the poodle thing suggests that he didn't come to this conclusion on his own. And the thing to understand about Tony Blair and New Labor and this sort of 1995, 96 thing where you have, you know, members of the Gallagher family, Liam Gallagher from Oasis, uh, celebrating, uh, you know, New Labor at number 10 and this new era. And it's basically the, 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 the break there for people not terribly familiar with British politics is a break from old labor. And old labor was very sort of socialist. Uh, a lot of the guys in the old labor hierarchy were sort of sympathetic to you know, Cuba, to the Soviet Union, to Nicaragua, et cetera. And this was a sort of Clintonian uh, idea. And, and, and Clinton, of course, was never averse to using uh, military force. He was the man who, uh, behind the Iraq Liberation Act in 1998, said Iraq should be liberated by, by whatever means necessary. It's a new Democrat. It's a new Democrat. And, you know, I think it takes a little 
away from Tony Blair's, you know, that he, you know, in some ways it implies that he didn't have any, you know, truck with this uh, kind of foreign policy adventure, but was just going along because that's what you did with your Atlantic partner. The thing is, you read a bit of this, Chilka, he believed in this stuff. And that's the thing. Did people lie their way? No, I don't believe so. And you're going to get a lot of, I'll get a lot of shit for this, but I don't believe they did. I believe that they willfully ignored counter evidence yeah. because they were so, and is that, we say, well, that's lying. No, I don't believe they manufactured evidence. I don't believe that there was the dodgy dossier that people said in, 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 in the UK. I believe that George Bush, there was nothing that was going to dissuade him from invading Iraq. And he was going to cherry pick, cherry pick, cherry pick. That is different than willfully and knowingly lying to the American people. It doesn't make the situation any better. It doesn't make the the Middle East any more stable today than it was 25 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago. But it is a slightly different thing. I've I've always uh, take uh, my reaction to all this kind of stuff. Actually, our our, – is he a friend? Uh, Asselwyn Swin? Swin? Yeah, Swin's a good Swin's guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He had a, a funny thing saying, oh, I heard today that maybe somebody dropped a report about uh, how uh, yeah, you know they, they lied us into Iraq. I've been reading that on Wikipedia since I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like there's nothing new to it on yeah. one level. Um, I think that the, the, un, the, the least told story about Iraq is the sympathy for the devil. Uh, explanation, which is after all, it was you and me, by which I mean mostly you, Moynihan, more yeah. than me. Uh, but it was also the uh, my- you are much more full throated about it than me. No, no, I wasn't pro war. I never, I was never favored the Iraq war, never, not once. I was, uh, I was the guy who invented the word war blog. Yeah. I was, I said all kinds of of really mean things about Noam Chomsky in September two thousand and. Well, I deserve that. One, yeah, he still does, yeah. um, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but really? I, ne- I thought you support. Okay. Nope. I went up. I went up to the edge. I was uh, doing the Hamlet act, and I feel bad about that. I should have opposed it, and I didn't. Um, uh, but yeah, me too. I mean, the but same the term, uh, but the after all, yeah. is you and me is that. And and this relates to uh, things like uh, Iran is that we got it into our mindsets. Not everybody, certainly not all libertarians, many of whom hate me and you because of this. Um, Most but, of them hate me. Yeah, well, that's all. <laughs> They've forgiven you. Those are just your manners. Um, <laughs> but uh, that we thought it was uh, right and proper to have U.S. military be the kind of final way to enforce arms treaties. Yeah, uh, um, sure. And and like that's that you know we can't got to leave these options on the table, especially when there's a really evil bad dictator, which there totally was. Totally. Um, uh, who is not, by the way, really great at killing terrorists like Donald Trump. No, says. more more on that in about one minute. But continue. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but it was he's great at harboring terrorists. Uh, this was uh, that uh, we thought this was uh, the the only way to make sure that Donald uh, that Donald Trump that Saddam Hussein doesn't get nuclear weapons is if we use you know this threat of force. Without that threat of force, he won't take it seriously. American credibility or U.S. or world credibility is at stake. And so we thought like that. And that thinking was the problem. The fact that that thinking was popular and that it still retains some, although much, much less popularity. But occasionally whenever there's a uh, something blows up in the world, <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly among like the, the press in Washington that covers these things, like why aren't you doing something about X? It's that mindset. And that mindset, you, you know, they could have lied their asses off much more blatantly. They could have done a lot of stuff. But without that mindset, it goes nowhere, right? Right? It was the yeah. mindset, and that to me is is somehow uh, worth pondering. But go yeah, on. Yeah, look, I, I will we'll go on a quick thing before we before we finish up about Trump. But I, but I'll say this is that you know there there is a um, a strain, and and look, I I have uh, too many regrets to actually count about um, about uh, 
the, the way that I assimilated information about the Iraq war and the way I responded to that. Um, I was younger but not young enough to, to, for it to be an excuse. Um, I was shaken by being in New York City that, that fateful day on, on September 11th. But again, not an excuse to, to extend what I think was the proper military response in Afghanistan, um, which we made a hash of also, to Iraq. I mean, these are different. But I, it, I always think it's important to remember that one, one, one small thing is that we have now classified uh, those who supported the Iraq war in, in its kind of larval stages as people who are of the kind of Rumsfeldian ilk, right, of the Cheney type, always kind of, you know, salivating at the opportunity to spread American power. And, you know, we forget about people like Adam Mishnik, uh, the great Polish uh, dissident. We forget about people like Václav Havel. And, you know, I don't know if Havel was not – was uh, he – He supported the war. He supported the war. Uh, these are people that viewed – Wrongly viewed, and again, hindsight, which everybody has incredible hindsight, they're very sharp, 2020 hindsight. Um, these are people that, that oppose dictatorship. And when asked in a very simple way, do you think this dictatorship should be dislodged, this di- dictatorship that is gassed Kurds in Halabja in 1988, it is waged a can- campaign as a religious minority against the religious majority in a most brutal fashion has waged wars against its neighbors, et cetera. If, if we should upend this, uh, Adam Mishnik, the Vaslav Havel, these, these people in the world, the um, power and the, and the idealists, as Paul Berman's book, uh, Liberal Paul Berman, had it, they said yes. They said yes. I mean, these are not... So this whole blanket, this blanket idea that everybody who supported the Iraq war is a Rumsfeld, um, I think is wrong. And I think it's, I think it's, it does a great disservice to those people that were also wrong. Um, but I think wrong for better reasons than others. And I think that actually means something, uh, because, you know, Adam Mishnick had no control over whether or not the American military went to war in Iraq, but he did support it. Does he, um, shoulder some of the responsibility, uh, which is always, I will never talk to somebody who supported the Iraq war. I hear this all the time. You do, you, you can't, uh, you know, uh, this is always some 28 year old who, wasn't around at the time. You're not allowed. You're forbidden from making, you know, predictions or public policy um, prognostications because of your ideas about the Iraq War. I don't think people really understand um, the climate at the time, and people like Glenn Greenwald, who was a supporter of the Iraq War at the very beginning, um, and, and and turned tail. And did I turn tail fast enough? That's an interesting question. I think maybe, maybe probably not. And I think that I dug my heels in because I was living in Sweden and the opponents. Um, of the Iraq war were so horrible. And I write about that. It's and a classic uh, trap. It's a classic trap. And I've written about that, um, that will, uh, um, uh, this week and it'll be in the Wall Street Journal's um, weekend edition uh, about um, me in Sweden and under the guise of a book review. But let's finish up quickly with uh, Donald Trump's comments about Saddam Hussein. He said yesterday, um, you know, the argument is often that uh, unseating Saddam and ultimately executing Saddam uh, destabilize the region. I mean, that's a perfectly legitimate and obvious point. Donald Trump didn't make that point. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Donald Trump said he was very good at killing terrorists. Excellent. Uh, and he's excellent at uh, at uh, killing terrorists. Can I can I read you the quote? Because yeah, it's so good. good. Yeah. Can you this, can you like maximize your Trump accent? I, I can't. I can't do. It. I just want to do it in a dumb you guy. Use accent. your little short figure. Yeah. Okay. This is what Tom, Donald Trump said. Yeah. Saddam killed terrorists. He did that so good. They didn't read them the rights. They didn't talk. They were terrorists. It was over. 
this man might be the president of the United States of America. <laughs> and so denounced by Hillary Clinton, uh, denounced again to Paul Ryan, who's who's going on uh, this apologia tour for, <sighs> for him this week. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who had previously said um, – and he said the same thing about Trump, uh, about Saddam a number of times in the past. And the media hadn't collectively noticed. Our friend Dave Weigel had a good piece about this and why, um, you know, they notice now because it kind of benefits Hillary. But one of the things – I pay really close attention to this stuff. I pulled something out that nobody had really noticed where he said Muammar Gaddafi, the former dictator of, of Libya and uh, Saddam Hussein, were both uh, politically – they weren't politically correct. No. He said that. Nobody's noticed this. I have the clip. I posted on Twitter wow. a long time ago. He said they're not politically correct. This is a good thing. Um, uh, but here's something I didn't uh, uh, notice. Somebody pointed this out to me today. Trump defended in December – this is the man, and this is to Camille. I can't, I can't attack Camille on this because he's in, in Greece. The man that, that Camille says, well, you know, no different than the others. I mean, the, it, Trump defended, defended. Now tell me, and I'll give you the quote on this, um, to see if you actually believe this is defending. I think, I think it was. He defended Saddam Hussein's gassing of the Kurds. Did you know about this? I saw it uh, today, actually. Today. This is from December. Yeah. Um, and he said, um, you know, so they threw a little gas around and everyone yeah. got, everyone got a little crazy about that. They had been out of shape, a little gas. The, threw a little gas, threw a little gas around. Um, I mean, which was an unbelievably disgusting chemical weapons attack against the, the, the heroic, uh, Kurds in uh, Northern Iraq. Who and, are, are best allies in the Middle East. Who are, who, by the way, I Donald, mean, outside of, um, Israel. And, well, this is, this is, uh, here's the thing. Is it every I, – I, I always post this on Twitter during, some, during, the, during every Republican debate. I used to say the same thing. It's like how many fucking Kurds do these people think exist? It's like we're gonna, we got to arm the Kurds. What are we going to do in the Middle East? We're going to arm the Kurds. Everyone's talking about arming the Kurds. We treat them so horribly. This is what Donald Trump says. And who basically says, you know, who cares that, yeah, that he gassed, gassed the Kurds? Gassed couple I Kurds. don't think the Kurds will be our allies in a, a protracted st- struggle against ISIS, if the leader of the United States says that the gassing of the Kurds at Halabja in 1988 was no big deal. And the point that he's trying to make is a dumbass point. It's, a dumb it's, point. it's not even the one that you started with, which is, hey, we destabilized the region. That was not a, a good call. Sure. That, that's a fine point. Sure. Uh, totally fine. The point that he's trying to make is that we're somehow handcuffing ourselves from going after terrorists because we're reading them their rights, that we should just, you know, throw a little gas around and do all this kind of stuff. Let's throw away uh, American senses of uh, our own domestic kind of justice, and let's also throw out the U.S. Army, the military service code, right? The stuff yeah. that every soldier learns about what you can and cannot do. Let's throw away our international treaty obligations. And then the notion, which is something that John McCain has uh, to his credit defended over the years, that – you know what? Part of what we do is we want to act a little bit better than total fucking barbarians. Psychopath barbarians. And there was the previous quote. I mean, there were a few people that went digging through all, making super cuts of all of Trump's praise of Saddam Hussein. Um, um, and to your point, and, that, and, and you know, Matt Welsh makes the good point, and this is the, the, the point that needs to be underscored, is that when he is praising um, – uh, Saddam Hussein, he's not praising in the, the way that he's praised the Chinese Politburo for its strong response to Tiananmen or how he's praised Kim Jong-un for, for being tough, right? Or praised Vladimir Putin for being a tough guy. 
What he's doing here is saying that he appreciates Saddam Hussein for having no rule of law in the squalid dictatorship in which he lorded over from the mid seventies until his his demise in, in two thousand six. Which is which is uh, well, uh, demise in two thousand four. Uh, you know, it's similar to hey, we need to go after not just the terrorists but their families. Their families, yeah. So well. so this is what what he said a few months before. Um, he said, yeah, no, t- t- bad guy, bad guy. You, gotta, you have to put that out there, bad guy. And then he says, but he killed a lot of terrorists. He, d- you know, he did that. So he-, he didn't read them the rights. As I said today, they didn't talk. And then there was another one, uh, right? Uh, um, uh, there are no terrorists in Iraq. He said, this is in October. A one-day trial and shoot them. And the one-day trial usually lasted for five minutes, right? There was no terrorism then. C- think about that, people, for one second. I don't care what your opinion is on the war on terror. If you believe it needs to be increased, if you believe we're losing it, if you need to smash ISIS, or if you believe that we need a tafty in foreign policy, which we come home and we never do anything again. This is terrifying, legitimately terrifying rhetoric. It's not the fact that he's supporting somebody like Saddam Hussein. Keep in mind, we're in a presidential election, 2016, 2004. Could you imagine the Republican presidential candidate of 2004 praising Saddam Hussein, that was the stuff that you got on the far left and conservatives and conservative writers, conservative intellectuals used to sift through. They were like mining for gold. Okay. International yeah. answer. What are the, what are the, what are the, uh, yeah, what did these guys, international, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you would pull that out and you would say, look at how outrageous it is. I used to do that. And Come it on. would be some activist who has yeah. no position of power, who exactly. was not running for president, who was not. Yeah, Medea to- Benjamin or something. Some of yeah. these code pink bozos, you know, and you'd be like, oh my God, look at how crazy this is. And we are now at the point that that rhetoric is coming out of the mouth of the Republican, the presumptive Republican nominee for in, in 2016. We are in a place of, uh, of uh, you know, God, we're fucked, Matt. Yeah. All right. Well, idiot, you got an idiot? You got I don't, something? I don't anything? have an idiot um, except – well, yes, I do. Oh, it's a tee-up idiot. There's an idiot um, named Jonah Lehrer yeah. <laughs> who wrote a book about love uh, that's uh, just come out. It got excoriated in the New York Times, uh, yeah, Wednesday's yeah. New York Times by uh, Jennifer uh, Senior. Uh, apparently, Jonah, Jonah Lehrer is uh, the guy who uh, Moynihan uh, ruined his career by noticing that he just made up all kinds of uh, Bob Dylan quotes and <laughs> yeah. bullshit like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm I'm condensing all of this, but whatever. Uh, new book about love that sounds like the same kind of crap that he's written before, which is sub Malcolm Gladwell. I'm going to explain how some very big thing happens through using social studies and neuroscience uh, uh, BS tracks. And before you uh, uh, share us your thoughts, which are more interesting, I would just like to um, plead to the world: Why is it that there is still this genre, this TED, this walking TED talk genre? Of of starting with the big complicated subject and then pretending that there is a simple neuroscience related answer. I, I've written two books um, and uh, and I, you know a couple of things besides those that were sort of big in which and I wrote them in in uh, when I felt like I had understanding of a topic that was a little bit larger and deeper than I had before. It is so rare to actually understand anything well that you you totally need to share because the world is messy and complicated and things fire in all directions and all this kind of stuff. There is no easy 
answer anywhere for something. And if you stumble on an insight through hard work or whatever, by all means, put that into a book and put it out in the world. But if you start backwards, I'm going to start with concept and I'm going to deliver the simple yeah. explanation for the concept. Absolutely. That is a sin in in journalism and execution and also in consumption. Like, stop it already. And now I've already bitten on your uh, John Alaris. How do you feel about John Alaris coming back? Uh, you know, I talked to the New York Times about this today. The New York Times very generously, she actually, the, the, the review you mentioned, generously mentioned uh, uh, me, which they usually don't, which I was actually quite, I was quite surprised by. Um, and then uh, a different reporter at the Times who's doing a, doing a piece about this called me uh, today, and I and I talked to her, and I said, oh, do I have anything to say about this? But look, I mean, the mar- this is a, you can be a libertarian about this and say the market decides when you come back into the market after failing like this, because uh, Stephen Glass had a novel called The Fabulous, it tanked. Uh, Jason Blair had a book called Burning Down My Master's House, it tanked. Uh, General Ayers has a book now, and it'll likely tank too. And you know, he got uh, paid. Johan Hari also. Johan uh, Hari had a drug book uh, that, that I think that did work pretty well, though. Uh, it might have done okay. It probably tanked in England. Yeah. People didn't really know his story here in the U.S. So you look it up; it's a very similar to General Ayers' story. He was a, a bit of a, a fabulist and a, and a and a fraud and a plagiarist. Um, but look, I mean, the, the Lehrer thing. The point that you made is a point that I made to this woman today: is that. The problem with these books is ultimately that science is complicated, life is complicated, the answers are complicated, and to get to the point where my mother can read a, you know, a book about pop science and repeat these little nuggets at a dinner party and everyone sort of scratches their chin and they're intrigued by it, you have to shave off all the rough edges. You have to really sand it down. You have to you have to puff up the Bob Dylan quote, right? You have to invent quotes that didn't exist to prove your point because science is messy. Um, you know, uh, neuroscience is messy. How we decide, which was a journal, the name of one of Jonah Lehrer's pulped books, is very messy. Uh, but to 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 condense that into a little a little um, you know pop science book is very is is very difficult. So how do you do it? Well, you 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 kind of cut some corners, and that's ultimately what Lehrer and I think that's ultimately what other people in that same genre do. As to the 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 current book, um, you know, look, I, he's written an apology at the you know the the front of the book and apparently he doesn't really address it very much in the actual book itself i was under the assumption that this was a book about love which it is and about how love carried him through his crisis apparently that's not what this book is it's another pop science uh a book and uh the reporter asked me today um if we should trust him is it trustworthy material and i said i haven't read the book and i don't know but the one thing I would say is, you know, he's footnoted this thing up the wazoo. He's got another chance. And I compared it to this. It's like, you know, I would rather fly the airline that just crashed than the one that didn't. Because the one that just crashed is probably going to be paying pretty close attention to safety. <laughs> so they don't really That's, wipe out there. That is surprisingly generous. Coming so I'm here. trying to be generous to Jonah. Um, I don't dislike Jonah. I think that Jonah had a compulsion that I don't quite understand and he never explained to me and I never really got out of him because he cut off contact after he acknowledged that he was lying. I just needed him to go on the record and tell me that he'd been lying because he cleverly set this up, um, ex- exploiting my own sort of journalistic ethics and not to toot my own horn, but I try to play by the rules. And he said, I will talk to you about all of this stuff um, off the record. So I'm asking Jonah Lehrer for sources. These are not sources, by the way, in the Cy Hirsch way. These are not sources in the way that I have somebody in background in the CIA, NSA, whatever it might be, 
telling me secret information that you don't know about, you can't know about it. I understand that. These are public domain sources of Bob Dylan interviews in the past. Where did you get that stuff? So where did you get that stuff? It has to be off the record. And I had to play by the rules or he wouldn't talk to me. So I said, go ahead. And which means for him is that he can lie and lie and lie and lie to me with these fantastical, brilliantly spun lies that I can never talk about. And I have never talked about them because they were off the record. So my entire – and I actually abided by that. Even though, you know, when you're writing a story about journalistic ethics, even though when I realized that the off the record thing was a, was a systematic attempt to lie to me, I still honored it. Wow. Be- because, and I've never written about it and I've never talked about it in any length. The only thing I quoted from him in my initial piece was what he said to me on the record. That is it. I have reams of emails. I have piles of conversations and notes and everything. But I, when doing a story about uh, the sort of journalistic malfeasance, you don't want to be accused of the same thing. You want to play it straight. And Jonah did that. And so what a lot of people don't know about that story and about his 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 problems in the past was that um, it was kind of worse than what, what, what I let on. And that's that's all I'll say about it. And I'll say that I will read the book and I was just asked by somebody to review it and I'm going to consider that tonight. I don't know. I just want the uh, to go on record as this is the first time that I think you're showing more uh, rectitude – uh, that I can recall than uh, than uh, me, and uh, you're, uh, you're much look, more generous than hey, I would be. Hey, look, the man. Guy. I mean, there's a I, thing. There's a thing. Where, I, I mean, burned I, down that master's house. I, I know, but you know, look, you know, I talked to another person who knows about this uh, today. Uh, you know, we were talking about this. You know, we let murderers out of jail. Um, ours is the only profession in which. Any transgression, big or small, means the end not of your of your career at a certain outlet. It means the end of your vocation. You are no like 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 look what happened to Stephen Glass, who's not allowed to be a lawyer in California. He cannot pass the morals clause of the California bar. These are fucking lawyers in California. <laughs> These are the least moral people on the face of the earth. I'm thinking about fucking Barry Sheck, you know, Robert Kardashian, you know, uh, Johnny Cochran, the whole American, team. American heroes. American all. heroes, all of them. And they won't let Stephen Glass in. It's like I – there's a point where I say enough. Let the market decide if people want to buy his books. If he lies, he will be exposed faster than you can blink and I don't believe in destroying somebody's life forever. People make mistakes. Let the guy ha- have made his mistake. He been in the he's been in the wilderness for what four or five years now. Um, I don't feel bad for him. He created his own situation. I don't feel like I'm responsible for his situation. But there's a point where he stops stabbing the dead body. Wow. There you have it. There you have it. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna print that shit up at Reason next, uh, tomorrow. Uh, t- Transcript. Tweet it. Going out. Tweet it out. All right. Um, this is the fifth column that you've yeah. been listening to. Thank you. Uh, we can't promise where Camille will be next week. We have no idea what he's doing, why he's doing it. Um, so we <laughs> might have another yeah. 2 a.m. phone call. Who knows? Um, he might have joined November 19, the the the, the Greek terrorist organization. Who knows? Uh, he better. Um, I just want to know, like, what does he say that he's coming from America or not? Or is he like, oh, I, I'm from Jamaica, man. <laughs> <laughs> the most anti-American place in Europe is, by the way, Greece, just so you know. Um, all right. We all can, right. We can cue that music, Chad. We can cue that music and be out of here. We of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth.